Good morning. Anybody excited about the Word? All right, can we just stand for the reading of the Word this morning? Amen. Reading from Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 16. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to outsiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Again, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Yes! With as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord God. We ask you right now that you would release your spirit, God, on the speaker and the listener, Lord God. That you would have your way in this place, that your word would take root, that it would be birthed, that it would grow, that it would feed God, that that it would create something different in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Would you turn to somebody and tell them you belong here? Yeah. Some of you visiting for the first time, you're like, oh, man. I was just feeling like I didn't belong here. Family, listen, we've been doing a series titled Risking Church. By the way, that's the title of this message, You Belong. You belong, in case you didn't get it. You belong. The guy in the third row, the lady on the fifth row to the right, you belong. Amen? So we've been going through a series and, and, uh, t- titled Risking Church, and I, I want to tell you I'm going to end this series today, but I want you to know I'm never going to stop talking about it. Because I'll never, I always want to put before you the vision, the the picture of the church where you can more than just come as you are. Amen? Come as you are has become such a Christian cliche, right? It's on every church bulletin anywhere in the city. And the truth is, listen, we can tell people to come as they are and still make them feel uncomfortable when they get in here. Can we have fun today? All right? Already you got your notes out, your tweeters and your twitters and all that. We can tell people, you can come as you are. You can come hungry, but don't look desperate. You can come with your issues, but we just we don't want to hear about them. You can come as you are, man. Just come as you are, but you know, take that hat off, spit out that gum, watch your mouth, pull up your pants, and bro, you smell like cigarette smoke, man. We can we, we we tell families come as you are, but man, you know you don't, don't your children know how to act in church? Maybe they don't, right? So we can tell people. In, in other words, what we're saying, even if it's nonverbal, we're saying you can come broken, but don't make a mess. 
And so I want to, and, and I won't stop reminding you that real church, authentic Christianity is going to be messy. Amen? That's why the cross was so messy. Now, many of you know, uh, I had a, a leadership meeting scheduled for this Sunday after service. And I've been talking to the pastors and deacons, and we were saying, right after service, we've been planning this. We've already had our meeting, and we've been planning this for a while. Right after service today, I want, and, and, and I told all the pastors and deacons, I want everybody in ministry to be at this meeting. So everybody in ministry at this church, I want them at this ministry team meeting after service because I have some things to share with them. I want to give new vision for the year. I, I want to share some things with this ministry team. And so we were going back and forth, and, and they started telling me, and, and I kept getting the, the, second, the second question emails. You sure you want everybody? And I said, yeah, everybody that's in ministry, make them to this meeting. And, and they started sending emails to themselves and then copying me, and they're saying, you sure you want everybody? And I wasn't getting it. You know, I was at my regular job, and I don't know why they questioned me so much with this everybody thing. And what it came down to was there was over a 100 people in ministry at this church. Over a 100 people. And so they were telling me, are you sure you want to buy pizza for a 100 people? Are you sure? And their kids? Are you? If there's a 100 people, that means there's probably about 60 kids attached to that. So are, are you sure? And, and that's when it, it kind of struck me and, and, and it messed me up. I said, well, I said there can't be a hundred people in ministry at the sanctuary. We're not that big a church. A hundred people, that's like over a third of the church is in ministry, really? And so I was working on the message late Friday night and, 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 and it just hit me. I said, you know, and I sent an email out like about 1230 to all the deacons. I said, cancel the meeting. I'll speak to the whole congregation as if they were the ministry team. Amen? Because guess what? You are. You are. Right? You are the ministry team at the Sanctuary Fellowship. And some of you might, you know, look at yourselves right now and say, no, man, that, that can't be right. Uh, I shouldn't be here then right now. You know, I'm not part of the ministry team. I don't do anything here yet. I, I don't even know if I belong. Well, you know that's wrong because the title is You Belong. So that question's already been answered. So if it's okay with you, I, I want you to know that you're in the right place today, and I'd like to start this meeting. Is that all right? Are you ready, team? Oh, this is exciting. If this is the ministry team, what's the church going to look like? <laughs> if we need a place this big for just the ministry meetings, where are we going to meet on the regular? Woo! All right, so I started reading a book last week, and, and, you know, I try to keep myself fed, and I try to keep myself, you know, um, hearing other people and listening, because it's important that as we read the Word and as we, you know, pray and, and, and work in that, it's important that we, that we feed and, and that we, you know, understand other people's opinions and that we, we get... That's the reason that we can grow as a community is, is because of that. Amen? See, we could know God better by, by me knowing God through some of you. Because some of you see God a different way. That's why you have, how many Gospels in the Bible? I'm glad you guys are all students of the Word, amen? <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Why do we have so many Gospels? And if you read them all, pretty much they tell the same stories. How come? They all look at them differently, don't they? They each see God a different way. And so for us to get a full picture of God, God decided they should be all these Gospels in the Word, even if they told the same stories, because you know that if you see something and I see something and we tell somebody the story, I'm going to tell it different than you tell it, right? You're going to pick up different things. And so for me to fully understand the story, it's better for me to hear it from a lot. Isn't that awesome? Say, preach, pastor. Come on. So, so I was reading, I don't know why I went into that, but I'm reading this book by Andy Stanley. I, I love the way he writes. And what caught my attention to this book was the tagline underneath. It said, creating churches that unchurched people like to attend. That grabbed my heart. I said, did I write that book? <laughs> I said, Andy, it should be Jorge on there. What, what? That, that's me. You know, I, I want that so bad. I bought the book right away. I started reading. I love that line because, you know, there's so many churches. Aren't there so many churches? Even in the Bronx. 
Have you noticed that in the, the worse the neighborhood is, the more churches? <laughs> right? You go into the ghetto, right, in the worst part of the Bronx. There's six churches in two blocks, right? There's the first Baptist, that's su madre right here on the first, and then there's El Reino de Dios, whatever, on the second floor, and then, you know, El, El Dios de tu mamá over here, assembly something across the street, and there's all these little churches in the worst, and there's so many different churches that, listen, if you wanted to find the church that had just your people in it, you could do that, right? If you wanted to, to find the church where... You had to dress up like you were going to a wedding. You can find it, right? A lot in my neighborhood. If, if you wanted, to, if you wanted to, to go to a church that, that was hardcore, man, that they would preach for two and a half hours and pray for six, and, and it just smelled like religion up in there, you, you can find it, right? Some of you came from those churches, right? You know. If you wanted softcore and you wanted a church that just entertained you and put on shows and dances every Sunday, you could find that, right? But I don't believe that that's what God's calling us to do, right? I don't, I don't believe that you should be able to put a label on a church like that. Because to me, the church that has all the same people, that looks nothing like heaven. And, and the church that has all the beautiful people that have all the wedding clothes on, I love it, they're beautiful, but I know that I wouldn't belong. Because I don't got the six-button suits. Those are hot, I love those, but I don't have, I can't afford those suits, right? So I know that I wouldn't, so that would just not be like heaven to me. I don't believe that we should be able to put a label on a church like that. I believe the church, which is the church the building or is the church the people? Okay, good, good class. So the, the church is the people. So 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God, that God himself is present in you. So I believe that the church should be for the unchurched. All right, there's three people with me. We're good. Let's see if I can convince some more. Jesus said in Matthew 9, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He said, I have not come, this is Jesus, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. <clears throat> now don't get me wrong, I love my church people. Where my church people at? Some of you faking like you church people, come on. You've been here three times. Relax. I love my church people. I believe God draws, God has drawn people to us from all kinds of past experiences. And I, I totally understand that. I know that sometimes God wants to move and people just want to stay the same. Right? And so I understand that sometimes in order to grow, you got to go. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But, but I believe the true church should know that each and every one of us should be reaching out. That each and every one of us are ministers of reconciliation because we've been reconciled to God. And the only reason that God has reconciled us to God is so that we can reconcile other people to God. Amen? He's made us ministers. That's from the Word. That's not my philosophy. That's from the Word. The Word says that we're called to be fishers of men. Fishers of men. I love that picture. But listen, if all we're doing is gathering church people from all other churches then that's like fishing in a fish tank. I'll, I'll let that sink in. True story, how many fishermen in here? Anybody like fishing? I'm not much of a fisherman, but my father loved fishing. And so ever since I was little, I used to go with him. And, and I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the fishing experience. I was like this high going fishing with my dad. He, we lived in Manhattan. We grew up in Manhattan, so we'd go down to Riverside Drive. It's pretty disgusting, right, to fish there. We didn't eat it, but, you know, we, he loved fishing. And so we would go fishing. But I'm not the kind of fisherman that enjoys. I don't, I don't like touching the worms. I don't like touching the blood worms, the ones with the little legs. I, that's rude. Somebody said, well, you're not a fisherman then. I'm trying to explain my story. Give me a chance, man. Wow, I'm going to stay over here with you guys. 
So, so I don't like touching that stuff. I didn't like cutting up the bait. You know, my father used to catch. We used to fish for small fish. And then when you caught that fish, we used to cut that fish up and fish for bigger fish with the small fish. Right? Fishermen know what I'm talking about. The rest of us are like, that sounds disgusting. So I wasn't one of those, those, I didn't like doing any of that. My father would do all of that. I stand there. And then my father would give me the rod when he's ready. And so what I love to do, I loved casting, right? I love that feeling. I love to cast it. I love to set it up uh, on, the, on, the, on the little moodle there. And I love to put that little bell on it. And, and uh, is he a fisherman? Know what I'm talking about. You put the little bell on there, and I love the anticipation of like when you hear that, ding, ding, like oh, here it is, and you take the bell off, and you picked up the thing, and you would feel it, and then you would feel the little tension that the you know the fish is biting, and so you're waiting for that good tug, and when you get that tug, wow, you, and then bam, and I love catching fish was it was amazing, right? It was fun, man. And my father's a Cuban, and I had out, so we wouldn't fish with one hook. He'd put three of them on the line. Anybody did that? You guys know, three, we had to fish with three like it was, you know, I don't know what the point, but still. So, so sometimes you're bringing in two or three fish, you know, and, you, and man, it's a, it's a hassle. I'm a little kid. I'm bringing that in. I love that. And then I would get the fish to the top, and then I'd give it to my father. Because, again, I'm not touching the fish. I'm not doing that whole gutting and, and ripping it. I'm not gutting it. I'm not cleaning them out. I'm not going I just like to catch the fish. Guess what? As the church, that's all we're called to do. To catch the fish, to be fishers of men. Too often, we think that we got to gut them up and rip them out and clean them out, but that's God's job. Amen? So the first thing I want to tell the ministry team today is, it's not your job to clean people up. Just love them right where they are. When they come in, you say, that's a beautiful fish. That is a beautiful fish. Now, we used to fish in the Hudson River, so sometimes it wasn't a beautiful fish. But you still said, that's a beautiful fish. See, everybody that's here today, listen, was probably brought by somebody. And, and the people that brought them here today, they probably did so because, you know, they're trying to find a place that's different from maybe where they've been and, and from what they're used to. Because, you know, it's stupid to keep doing the same thing if you want a different result, right? And so everybody that's here, somebody brought them. And the reason they brought them here is so that maybe they can have an encounter with God. Amen? Isn't that the reason we bring somebody to church? So that maybe they can have an experience with God. They can have an encounter with God. But you know what, ministry team? You cannot make that happen. But you can hinder it from happening. So team, see to it as much as is in your power that you remove every hindrance that would prevent someone from having an encounter with God. Sometimes the very thing we have to remove is our own judgment. So team, you've received grace, so give it back. Give it back, amen? You've received grace, so be gracious. Family, the rest of you, if you're here today, whether you've been to church all your life, or this is the first couple of times, and you still have issues, and you don't, you, you don't have it all worked it out yet, watch. Relax. It's okay. You belong here. We all still have issues. We all still trying to work things out. Some of us are just better at faking it than you are. Believe me, God is still helping me figure things out. So relax, you belong. Amen? All right. So I want to end this series today right where we started it, in the book of Acts. So turn to the book of Acts if you have your, your whatever you use to get there. I'm not going to give you any scriptures to read. I just want to see if any of you had your Bibles. I want to end the series today right where we started in the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is awesome. It's the first official history book of the New Testament. Did you know that? I love telling people something they don't know. It makes me feel smart. 
So the book of Acts is the first official history book of the New Testament written by Luke. It gives us the history of the first church, of what happened with the apostles after Jesus was crucified, died, and rose again. Amen? It's a beautiful way, the way the the, the word is broken up. The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there's God, and there's God giving us the promise of the Messiah, of Jesus, right? And then the New Testament, there's Jesus, the promise from the Old Testament, and there's Jesus giving us the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I love that. It's the Father sending the Son, the Son talking about the Spirit. It's each time God comes closer. I didn't get that, but that's deep. Each time God comes closer. You see, when, when God created man, you know, we know the story we've been through, Genesis. He met with him, he talked with him, and, and man belonged, right? And then when man fell, sin separated man from God. So when God came close, man felt like he didn't belong anymore. And so he hid. A lot of us are still right there, hiding, because our sin separates us. From God, He felt that like he could no longer have that closeness with God. And so man tried to hide to cover his sin in order to communicate with God. But God, God came close. God covered man with the skin of an animal, we read in Genesis. So we see from there that for man to be covered and have communication with God, there has to be a sacrifice. And then Jesus comes, the incarnation of God in the flesh, the picture of the invisible God to to live among us, to walk with us, to ultimately become that perfect sacrifice to cover our sin and to restore our belonging with God. And before Jesus lays down his life to do that, he tells the apostles in the book of John 14, he tells them, listen, listen, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another comforter. Follow. The Father will give you another counselor, another helper, another strengthener, another spirit of truth, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom. He will give you an intercessor. He will give you an advocate that he may remain with you forever. Verse 17, that spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So listen, man went from God all around us to God walking with us to God inside us. Each time God came closer. So he says to them, if you keep my commandments, the Father is going to send this Holy Spirit. And, and it's not a coincidence, he had already given them a new commandment in John 13, the verse right before. He tells them, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Church, ministry team, listen. Jesus says, a new command I give you, that you love one another. How? Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the second thing I want to tell you, ministry team, is that people will know you by your love for one another. That seems basic, but it still has to be said. People will know you by your love for one another. So what does that mean, team? There's no room and no place for attitudes. There's no room and no place for division, for tantrums, for gossip, for backbiting, for jealousy, for insecurity. As a ministry team, you're called to love one another as He has loved you. What does that look like? We gave you a little picture of it this morning. When there's a young person, a child, and we ask them to do something before you, and you know, you can imagine the nervousness. I mean, I get scared out of my 
brain when I come here to stand before you. Imagine if you're this big and you've got to stand up here in front of all you people. And, and what do we do when they have a hard time or when they stumble or when they can't think of the words? We encourage them, right? We're like, yeah, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Come on. And, and what are we doing? If, if, if you're good people, you're inside. What are you doing? You're praying. You're like, come on, God, give her the words. Come on, give them the, give them the song to sing. Come on. I mean, Caleb, we didn't have to give him nothing. God was just, you know, he could have finished the message and then preached my message and, you know, whatever. But, but right, often we have to encourage, right? And we have to, and, 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 and come on, if you're good people inside, you're praying and you're, but guess what? How come we don't do that for adults? How come we don't do that? How come right now, you, you, I mean, maybe some of you are and I pray that you are. Right now, you should be praying that God would be speaking through me. Right now, you should be praying that, that people here are listening, that they're receiving, right? We should do that the same way as if I were this tall and, and, and fumbling and scared or nervous. It should be the same thing, right? Because it says, encourage one another, love one another, and people will know you by your love. Amen? So love one another as I have loved you. We, we can preach 16 messages right there. How has he loved you? That's easy. Unconditionally, with undeserved passion, with unmerited intensity. How did he love us? He loved us before we loved him. How much? Too much. How, does he love us because we're good? No. We all fall short. Does he love us because we know how to act? No. Everybody plays the fool sometimes. Amen? Does he love us only when we get it right? No. He loved us when we were dead wrong. Does he wait for us to get it together, to get cleaned up, to be able to control ourselves? No. He knew us fully and loved us anyway. So, so guess what? To be on this ministry team, love that way. Love that way. There's no other way. There's no other options. Right? If you've been forgiven, then forgive. If you've had your debt canceled, then cancel someone's debt. If Jesus took your place, showered you with grace, then I believe it should show on your face. In the book of Acts, that kind of love, it drew the attention of the world and they turned the entire world upside down. Because of that kind of love. It wasn't great preaching, it wasn't great singers, it wasn't great musicians. It, it was that kind of love that drew people. It was that kind of love that, that, that had people running and coming and, and saying, well, how do I do, what do I do to get down with these people? What do I do to get what you got? So, so what happens next? Listen, that was and should always be the picture that the world sees of the church. I hate the picture that media and all the TV shows that we watch, I hate the picture that they give the world of the church because that's not the church. Amen? But too often we let it be that. Too often we let it be that. We have a little click over here, a little click over there, a little click over there. This guy don't like this guy. This one don't like this one. This one's talking about the way this one's dressed. This one's talking about the way this one does ministry. And this one's talking about that one's ministry. And this one's saying that ministry's not even valid. And this one's saying that person shouldn't even be in ministry. I don't know. And, and back in the church, not on this team. Amen? Not on this team. Okay, so what happens next? So Jesus tells them, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift, this gift that the Father is sending. He tells them, stay until the comforter comes. Stay until the helper comes. Jesus said, I'm going to go. It's good that I go now, because if I go, God's going to send the Spirit to be with you. Again, God wants to be closer. God walked with us. God, God was all around us. God walked with us. Now God wants to be closer. He wants to send the Spirit. So he tells the apostles, wait until, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait there until the, the helper comes. So, so here's, here's something else I want to tell you, ministry team. Sometimes we have to wait where God tells you to, to get what he promised you. Wait is never a popular word, amen? But while we're waiting... We should do two things. Verse 14 tells us that while they were waiting, they agreed that they were in this for good. That's amazing. 
Can you imagine if we all, as a ministry team, agreed that we're in this for good? What does that mean? That way, I'm, I'm not in this if it succeeds. I'm not in this if, you know, this happens. Or I'm not in this if the pastor says hello to me every time he, you know, and acknowledges me. I'm not in this if, if uh, this happens or if God does this. No, I'm, we, they agreed that they were in this for good. And then, what did they do? They completely, together in prayer, and they said the women included. That was a beautiful thing to put in the New Testament. The women included, because they've been excluded all this time. He says, they prayed together in prayer. Church, we have to agree to come together and to pray together. How come I didn't get an amen there? See, waiting is always an opportunity for praying. Now, church... We purposely in this church set up prayer services to be every other week. To, to, to not, not, not because we didn't think prayer was important. Let me make that clear. Not because we thought prayer was like something that we should do once in a while. We, we, we believe that you can pray at home and you can pray anywhere you are. We wanted to corporately pray at least every other week. Because we, we, a lot of us came from that background that you weren't a real Christian unless you were out in church three or four times a week. And we don't believe that because we saw so many families destroyed because the parents are in church four times a week. And the kids are raising themselves and the kids are hating the church. Right? And so we didn't want to have this kind of legalistic thing, but we wanted to say, you know what, but we do recognize that it's important that we corporately pray. It is important. Nothing happens but an answer to prayer. So, so listen, as a ministry team, there, there should be times where we come together to pray corporately. So this kind of blew me away because here's the revelation that I expect from now on. If there is a ministry team here of over a hundred, that means there should never be a Wednesday night prayer with at least that. That means if nobody else shows up to prayer, the ministry team will still be here. There'll still be over a hundred people here in prayer. Amen? Watch how things change. Watch how quickly things begin to change when we start seeing over a hundred, when the ministry team starts showing up. Amen? Amen? So while we're waiting for God has promised you, you have to do what you already need, know to do. Right? So we read in Acts that every time God, God's people gathered for prayer, something happened. That, that should excite us. Every time in the Word we read people got together for prayer, something happened. <coughs> the building shook. The jails opened up. The dead rose. That, that's not casual stuff, amen? People were healed. People were, were, were um, put back together. People were restored. Marriages were repaired. People, I mean, things that were dead came back to life, right? And, and in this particular instance, it said on the day of Pentecost, they were gathered up in the upper room, and then it sounded like the sound of strong wind blew, and then like appeared what was tongues of fire on top of everyone, and they began speaking with other tongues, the word says. And they were able to minister with authority, and with clarity, and with insight, and with wisdom. And they were empowered to walk in faith and belief for the power of God to heal, and cleanse, and deliver, and set free, and raised from the dead. On the day of Pentecost, it said, the day God came closer than ever before, it sealed them with the Holy Spirit and it told them, you belong. And as they were filled with power to witness, to testify about the goodness of God, way past their own abilities. It says that they were speaking in other languages so that the visitors that came from all over heard them speaking in their own language. Watch this. There's a bonus hidden there. God doesn't give us the Holy Spirit so we could jump around and be weird. God doesn't give us the Holy Spirit so we can have our own little Holy Ghost parties together. God gives us the Holy Spirit. One, one, one reason that God gives us the Holy Spirit is so that we can be equipped to communicate to people that we would normally not be able to communicate with. Uh-huh. 
Church, that same Holy Spirit is available. And if you're a believer walking in His commandment, that Spirit is inside of you. The difference we need to ask here is, has Pentecost made a difference in you? Listen, we can all say, man, I used to be a thief. I used to be an abuser. I used to be angry all the time. I used to be depressed all the time. I used to be nasty. But when Pentecost came... Come on. Come on. If that was you, you know when Pentecost came, something changed. I used to be this. I used to do this. But when Pentecost came, something changed. Well, that, nothing's, nothing, nothing's different today than it was then. It's the same Holy Spirit. So when Pentecost comes... When, the, when we're sealed with the Spirit of God, we have abilities. The problem is we're not walking in them. We're hindering the Spirit inside of us. And, and what's, what hinders us? A lot of things hinder us. Number one is the accuser telling us, come on, man, you crazy. You used to steal things. Now you want to give things away? Come on, man. You used to, and, and the accuser and our own flesh will keep telling us, come on, man, that's not you. When the Spirit of God is saying, I know it's not you, it's me, but I'm in you, and we're together now, and so we're different. So give it away. So do that thing you couldn't do before when you were doing the things that you were doing. Amen? Church, as a ministry team, we need the comforter, we need the counselor, we need the helper, we need the intercessor, we need the advocate, we need the strengthener, we need the guide, because we need the power to witness, to communicate the love of God to people. So we look at Acts 2, and, and we're looking at the start of the church, and we hear all about these incredible things that happened among them, because there was unity, and there was love among the people of God. People were healed, and people were drawn from all over. And of course, there was persecution. Of course, there was beatings. Of course, there were jailings. But nothing could stop the church. If it would have stopped the church, we would never be here today. That's how powerful the church, the, the book of Acts church was. Because of that church, we exist today. They, they, they were given the power to witness, to display the love of God. And as long as they did that, people, it says, were continually added to the church wherever they were. Now that created a problem. And I want to draw your attention to this. Jesus said, they, meaning the unchurched, will know you are my disciples by your love, right? So that means not by your theological backgrounds, not by your doctrines, your denominations, your logos, not by your decrees or your fancy prayers, not by your t-shirts or your bumper stickers. They're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love each other, right? Church, this is one of the most powerful statements I believe Jesus could ever drop on us. So now, what happened in the book of Acts? It says people were drawn to the Spirit of God by, from everywhere. Right? And so all kinds of people started coming. And now, up until this point, the church, the, the book of Acts church was mostly Jewish. And so they were already used to gathering together. They were already used to praying together. They were already used to going to the synagogue, going to the temple. They were already doing these things. And, and now the, it, it says that the Gentile, the Puerto Ricans showed up. Gentiles, non-Jews, Puerto Ricans, right? So, so the Puerto Ricans showed up. And the Dominicans came. And you know when there's two Dominicans, there's 28. So, so, so the Dominicans came. And they wanted to be in the house churches. And they wanted to go to the temples and the synagogues. And, and, and the Mexicans came. And they wanted to be a part of this church. And, and so they started showing up at these meetings and these houses. But these people were unchurched. They didn't know the stuff that the Jews already had down. They didn't have the, the commandments. And, and so what happened? Like some churches today, the regulars had an issue with that. And they said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. If Puerto Ricans want to be followers of the way, because it was called the way back then, before it was called Christians, right? If, if Puerto Ricans and Dominicans want to be part of the way, shouldn't they have to first be Jewish? And so they, they started raising, and, and they said, shouldn't they have to follow the law? Shouldn't they have to, shouldn't all of them be circumcised? Now, now you go tell a group of Dominicans that they got to be circumcised to be able to be part of this church.
I want you to see this picture because it, in some ways it happens today. These were church people telling the unchurched people, if you want to be part of our church, you've got to be like us. It's the same thing, right? If you want to be part of the church, you're going to have to be like us. Family, if there's one thing that really bothers me, that really gets under my skin, that I have a real hard time staying Christian over, is judgmental church people. You've been around me long enough, you know. Because listen, it never fails. Almost every person that has ever sat with me in a meeting because they have issues with somebody else in the church doing ministry, almost every single one of them that has come to me to discredit somebody else and was judgmental about somebody else, almost every single one of them has fallen away hard. And the people they were criticizing are still serving strong. Mm. So this, that situation, it, it, it came up in the first church too. And so I, 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 love, I love what we're going on. Watch. Acts chapter 2, it gives us the incredible picture of the church you know, working right and doing the right things. But, but by chapter 15, it took 14 chapters to mess up the church. How many of you know that? That's, that's true. But by, by 15, the ministry team at the church, they're pulling the apostles into all kinds of meetings because they don't think that the Gentiles and the Puerto Ricans, that, they, that the outsiders should belong like they do. And they don't think that, you know, they think that they have to convert to Judaism before they can be part of this meeting. They have to get circumcised. They have to follow over 200 commandments that was part of their, their law, which the Jews couldn't even get to follow in the first place. And, and, you know, it's the classic, God has grace for me, but I don't have any for you. Team that will not be us. Somebody say amen. amen. I love the way the apostles handled it. Watch this. There were these big meetings and they sent for the apostles and, you know, because they wanted the, the real heavy hitters, those that walked with Jesus, those that knew Jesus more than anybody else. They wanted them to come and, and stand with them and be able to say, yes, that is true. You need to be Jew like us and you need to do this and this and this and you need to. But, but the apostles got together and they, they had meetings and they said, you know what? It, it's, it's. God made it clear. Peter was the first one. Peter stood up and he said, you know what? God made it clear that these Gentiles, these unchurched people, they should hear the gospel. And then when they heard it, they believed and God showed us that he agreed with it because they were filled with the same Holy Spirit that we got filled with. So Peter said, they, God showed, God gave them the same spirit that we got. So, so that means God is approving of this. And so that means that it's by grace that they have been saved just like we were. And so then they say, oh, we don't want to listen to Peter. Let's get James. So James stands up and James says that he believes the non-Jewish believers, the the Gentiles, the outsiders, should be allowed into the community of faith without first converting to Judaism. And after he quotes some Old Testament scriptures, he says this, and this is something we need to mount someplace on the church. Watch this. He writes, It is my judgment, therefore that we should not make it difficult for the outsiders who are turning to God. Church, that has to be up on a wall someplace in this church. It is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for those that are turning to God. How do we make it difficult? By trying to make them like us. By trying to gut them and clean them and rip them apart before they can be like us by trying to dress them like us, by trying to get them to pray like us, get them to talk like us, get them to sing like us, get them to dress like us. I'd like to end this series and this message right here. Worship team, you guys can come up. It is my judgment, my judgment now, it's my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the unchurched who are turning to God. And so ministry team, listen to me. Those that are already on this team, I want you to ask yourselves, am I a sanctuary? Not am I part of the sanctuary fellowship. Not am I represented. Am I a sanctuary? The, the, the word said it clearly. I showed you the scriptures that God's spirit is inside of us and, and God is with us. That means that we are now the sanctuary of the Old Testament, right? We're now the temple. So that means that people should find sanctuary with us. That means that people should come, should be able to, with us, at us, worship God.
Don't get it twisted, not worship us. Not because God is inside us. We're a God. That's a whole other cult nonsense. God is inside us, so people should be able to worship at us. People should be able to worship with us. Right? Am I a sanctuary? I want you to ask yourselves, am I a safe place? Ministry team, you have to be a safe place. People have to feel safe at you. I don't want people coming into this place and, and it doesn't matter who their first encounter is, whether it's the, the head usher or whether it's the guy that was just running back, bringing a mic back to the sound booth. Whoever they encounter first, that person should be a safe place. That person should be a sanctuary. Am I a place that people could worship God at? Am I an encourager? Team, ask yourselves. Bow your heads. Close your eyes if you have to. Ask yourselves these questions today. This is what matters. This is a ministry meeting, and so we have to deal with these things today. Am I an encourager? Do I build others up? Do I put others before myself, like the Word says? Am I eagerly awaiting for the promises of God for me? And am I doing what I already know to do while I'm waiting? Ministry team, ask yourselves, can I be trusted with the little? Everybody else today, everybody that's here today, I want you to know this morning, if you're just visiting us for the first time today, you belong. If you're not even sure what you believe yet, you belong. Did you hear that? If you're not even sure what you believe yet, you belong. If you've had a hard time with church and you blame God and you're still struggling to come back, you belong. proper clothes for church, you belong. If you have ever said, once I get myself right, then I will go to church, you belong. And if you came today just to please a friend or a family member, and you got more than what you expected, surprise, <laughs> you belong. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Gary, would you come? So church, the question today isn't if you belong. What needs to happen is that each of us has to call out to God. And if we want to live the empowered life, we need to say to God, Holy Spirit, you belong. We're going to pray in a second, but I just want to give you a little theology. If you've given your heart to Jesus, and you've been born again by the Spirit, then you already have what's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit already lives in you. Wherever you go, He goes with you. You've already been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. The reason you're here is not an accident, but the Holy Spirit places people where he chooses. You think it was your choice, but the Holy Spirit baptized you into the body of Christ. But what Acts chapter 2, what Pastor George read is saying... Even though you already have the Holy Spirit, there's something more. Here's the reason that we're called Pentecostals. Because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in fire. And the Holy Spirit blew like the wind. And the people of God were filled with power 
on fire to be the witnesses God called them to be. The same thing that happened on that day of Pentecost is available for us today. We can be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit and fire, and overcome with a boldness and a power to be God's witnesses and to live for Him, not only here in church, but everywhere that you go. There's something more available to you. And what happened on that day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other languages, other tongues. Now on that day, they spoke in languages people knew. But in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about speaking in unknown tongues. In other words, you can begin to speak in a language that only God understands. If somebody heard you, they might think you're nuts, but God hears you. Why is that important? Because there's a lot of times I don't know what to pray. There are times I'm too hurt to pray. There are times I'm too overwhelmed to pray. And God gives me a prayer language. I don't understand it, but it begins to rise out of my spirit. And in God's grace, I release that perfect prayer to Him. So I'm going to ask you to all stand right now. And, And I want to ask those who are on the prayer team, those who pray for people at the altar, I want you to come. And here's what we're going to do. For those of you, you're saying... I want the Holy Spirit on fire. I want to know the power. See, it's the power of God to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, to preach the gospel, to live for Him even when everyone's against you. There's a power that can flow in through your heart that you can take a stand in a wicked world. How many of you are saying, I'm hungry. I want more of God. I I want to know more of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand to heaven as a sign. Say, God, I thirst for more. It's all about Him. I did ministry for years without the Holy Spirit. 